Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. executive entrepreneur uh, and investor. So I've kind of played across multiple gamuts. Uh, I've started multiple companies. My last one, Freedom Pop, ran for nine years, uh, raised over $100 million for it and ended up selling it uh, in 2019. Uh, also had big senior executive roles like I'm in now currently uh, running Boost Mobile, which is now the fourth uh, largest carrier in a T-Mobile and Sprint have come together. Uh, nine million subscribers, o- over $4 billion in revenue. Uh, and sort of running that and trying to really sort of disrupt the wireless space like I did on a small scale with Freedom Pop, but on a much bigger scale uh, with Boost Mobile now. To sum it up, I'm, I try to be an innovator uh, and sort of a disruptor uh, in either companies I invested or companies I lead. How did your time at Freedom Pop prepare you for working as a CEO for Boost Mobile? That's a, it's a good question because it was actually about as well of a prep as one can get. Uh, so. <laughs> Freedom Pop, you know, the, the aim and the ambition there was to really disrupt the market. We came out with a freemium offer. We were digital only uh, back in 2012 when the, when the industry was 95% uh, offline. We were, we were 100% online. So we built out a digital only foundation, uh, a platform with capabilities that didn't exist in wireless. We tried to disrupt with a freemium offer like you see in the internet space where you get a certain amount for free and then if you pay for more or pay for value-added services, uh, our business model was different. Uh, our technology and ability uh, platform was different and allowed us to grow very quickly in, in a space where new players can't play. We were essentially playing a different game, right? Going up against Verizon, AT&T, big guys with billion-dollar marketing budgets. We're spending 200 to $300 per new subscriber, and we were spending 7 to $10. So it was a completely different game. allowed us to scale into the millions of subscribers quickly. Uh, and, you know, the intent was to really disrupt the space. And we, we had some impacts. I mean, the, the industry copied a lot of what we did specifically T-Mobile, I'll call out. They, they were followed us closely. We launched something. They launched it a few few months later. They had a rollover, digits. Uh, a bunch of stuff we did, their own carrier movement, fueled their own carrier movement. So, so we had some disruptive impact on the market, but at the end, at the end of this, you know, you got $100 million in financing, 120. Seems like a lot, but in an industry where companies are spending a billion dollars a quarter on marketing, uh, it's hard to really disrupt. So the playbook at Freedom Pop was successful, worked extremely well. Now being able to apply that to a much bigger company, like I said, you've got 9 million subscribers, uh, an opportunity to impact at a much more significant scale. Uh, it's really trying to do the same kind of thing. It's, it's trying to digitize. It's trying to innovate. Uh, you know, I've been a Boost now, running Boost for four months, uh, but there's going to be some major disruption and, and some disruptive uh, propositions and, and product-centric sort of plays we do later in the year. Uh, and again, the scale, the magnitude, we've got 6,000 doors offline. We've got uh, a huge opportunity to kind of really uh, leapfrog online. So it, it's ripe for disruption. Uh, and like I said, there's the scale now where the disruptive impact can be much greater than it was when you're doing a small company. How did you make Boost Mobile stand out from other companies? What really well, so, uh, I haven't done yet, to be honest. Um, I think Boost Mobile historically has had a certain brand, uh, at, you know, a brand. It's got a decent brand. It's the fifth most recognized wireless brand in the U.S., going to do is we're going to try to do that based on really taking the brand uh, up market 
uh, and differentiating the brand, uh, but also trying to innovate. Uh, at the end of the day, to the extent we're coming out with innovative offers in the space, uh, and we're competing on more than just price like everybody else, uh, we start to innovate, the brand starts to be associated with innovation, and look, at the end of the day, we want to take that brand to a much more mass market uh, audience, and we want it to be a household name. Uh, and you know, the, the brand is going to be around empowering the user, uh, and there will be innovative services that help empower the user. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're, we're going to really uh, focus on that piece. And like I said, if you know, this time next year, uh, hopefully it's twice as many subscribers and a, and a much bigger brand uh, awareness as well. Do you feel this is a personal that COVID um, took a hit with expanding and being your first four months and how hard it was to grow something during this time? A, a little bit. I mean, look, look, yes and no. I think from the perspective of uh, you know our offline presence, like I said, we got six thousand doors across the country. Uh, we did a pretty good job of keeping those open even during COVID. Uh, that said, there was a lot less foot traffic out. There's a lot less people, so the offline piece is, is impacted any way you cut it. Uh, what it did do is sort of force the importance of digital, which is it wasn't sort of undervalued uh, when I took over. That's part of the reason I took it is there was a huge uh, focus and need to kind of go digital. But we've obviously accelerated that piece. Um, so I think I think net net, uh, you know, from this specific business, obviously COVID's had different impacts on different businesses. From this specific business, uh, it's had a slight impact, but I think we've done a good job overcoming it. And I think we're in a good position now that hopefully things start to lighten up a little bit in 2021 as the vaccines propagates, uh, we'll be in position to really sort of ramp. What are some basic skills that you think are most important for a new entrepreneur slash CEO to have to be successful? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a tough question. There is no, I mean, you, know, you look across the, the landscape, there's different types of entrepreneurs, all, uh, different types that are successful. Some of them more outspoken, sales oriented, some are more quiet, reserved. But, but I think at the end of the day, uh, there's some common characteristics. Uh, and, and it comes down to, first and foremost, obviously, sort of a, a passion for what you're doing. Um, if you're kind of in it, just you know, your objective is to raise money or your objective is to sort of you know, get some financing and it's, it's less about the passion for what you're trying to do. You rarely see those companies work out or those entrepreneurs succeed. So, so the passion and with the passion comes the diligence and the work ethic. And then I think there's, you know, the, the other important characteristic you see across all successful companies or, or most at least is really adaptation. Uh, and what I mean by that is kind of flexibility, uh, a sort of openness and ability to kind of adapt and pivot based on what the market's telling you. So you see a lot of unsuccessful entrepreneurs or, or first-time entrepreneurs come in, they've got a vision and they're dead fast on, on implementing that vision, even when sort of the market may be trying to shift it a bit. Um, but to the extent you're sort of honest with yourself and you keep checking in uh, and you're going down a path, but you sort of elevate every now and then to check in to say, look, is this the right path and do we need to sort of shift it all? I think that's kind of the, the, the common characteristic I see with all successful companies and entrepreneurs. Uh, is really that that ability to not get so wedded to your vision that you sort of tunnel vision and you can't see the market and the customers and what the actual data is telling you you should be doing to shift. But th those that shift and they shift quickly uh, have a much better chance of succeeding. I mean, that, that said, you know, the, the, the probability of success is tough for a new company. But like I said, uh, to the extent you're, you're rigid, it's even tougher. When you started Freedom Pop, what was the most important skill you need to have to get yourself started off the ground? Yeah, that's that's a good question. The, the most important skill, mm -hmm. or what? Or what skills do you think you had to have to get it started off the ground? Yeah, so so, so Freedom Pop was a you know was a concept, and it was it was a pretty um, just you know concept. We're going to give away free wireless, right? We're, we're going to try to you know. And initially, there was at, at the time this was when LT networks were coming on, and data was still sort of there was a, more of a digital divide. So coming in with that concept, the, the biggest skill uh, or the most necessary skill for a company like that, kind of the ability to kind of 
communicate and sell that vision uh, to investors uh, because that, that, that requires some upfront investment, not a ton. I mean, our first round of financing was only 400 grand, which is, you know, in the first round after that was 3 million, which in the scheme of things was not much. But the ability to kind of get that financing so that we, you know, was key because we need to kind of get, fi for a company like that, you can't, it's not building an app in your garage. You need some financing, you need some capital to kind of get some devices in the market and to be able to build some things out. And so really the, the most important skill out of the gate was really communication and the ability to kind of clearly articulate the vision and what we were trying to do and why it was different. Mm -hmm. uh, and then to be able to raise money on the heels of that. Uh, and then obviously, you know, shifting more to a product focus because at the end of the day, like nothing works if there's no value to the consumer. I mean, you can fake it for a while, but you need that product-centric, consumer-centric focus. So making sure that we kind of kept that as a North Star, like this is about free to the customer uh, and making sure that some customer base does not have to pay. Uh, and at the end of the day, we had about over 50% that didn't pay us a penny ever. And we had about 45, 46 that did, which was enough to kind of make the business work. Uh, but we're really kind of staying focused on that customer value prop and making sure we didn't cut corners on that piece as well. What did you do post-college and how did, how did that shape you into becoming an entrepreneur? Post-college. Well, so I actually got a graduate degree. So undergrad or, well, I'll answer it broadly either way. I mean, you think post-college, my, my first job out of undergrad was actually at Accenture. And what that shaped me really is to, to, to understand like that wasn't the path I wanted to be on. Um, I was actually kind of fast-tracking through, uh, I remember when I kind of left to You'd be making, you know, you're, you're on the partner track. Why would you leave kind of thing? But it became clear like that, that was on my, my, my path. I ended up sort of starting a small company in the first dot-com bubble that we sort of sold for a bit. And but it gave me exposure to the startup world. Um, going back to get my, I went to, to Berkeley for uh, an MBA uh, post that during the, the, the recession. It was kind of good timing. Coming out of that, being in Berkeley, which is proximity to Silicon Valley, got more sort of engrossed on the technology, the innovative piece, uh, and sort of, Initially, out of college, started to apply that mentality into big companies because uh, my first job was with Quest Communications and telco space. But coming with that startup experience kind of allowed me to sort of bring an innovation to it, uh, which played quite well. And, and then obviously, even in big companies, uh, if you look at my track record, I, I rose pretty quickly within Quest. And then you know, I was a, a senior vice president of British Telecom, which is the biggest carrier in Europe. Uh, again, my task there was innovation, driving innovation, uh, and did that. Uh, there, I mean, it generated sort of a billion pounds in revenue from zero in a couple of years uh, through innovative new wave uh, revenue streams. But re really, it's 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 keeping that innovative focus uh, and coming out of college, sort of the, the, the bounce between big company, small company is a little rare. Generally, you see a serial entrepreneur who's small company, small company, small company, and maybe gets one big, or somebody's on the corporate track and they stay with it. I've kind of bounced back and forth. Even even this latest, you know, for 10 years or eight years, I was at Freedom Pop, you know, growing and building that. It became a sort of medium-sized company, you know, a few hundred, a few hundred employees. Um, but then now coming back to a much bigger company where there's thousands of employees, and like I said, you know, four billion in revenue. That, that bouncing back and forth has been kind of unique. You, you don't see that much, but it started post-college, and it's kind of gone throughout my career. That's awesome that you can get both sort of feels for what you like and been in both spaces. Uh, it allows you to bring true innovation to a big company as well because I don't buy the whole innovative department, you know, innovation departments and companies where you got a guy who's been in the company for eight years and he's in charge of innovation for 10 years and it doesn't make sense. So being able to really truly operationally bounce back and forth means you can bring true innovation to a company, not just from a product perspective, yeah. consumer, but, but how you operate, how you work, et cetera. If you could give a piece of advice to a teenager college version of yourself, what would you tell them? Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, I, I, I guess uh, there's probably two things, right? W one is not to dwell too much on the, to, to keep a big picture. Th think trajectory. 
Uh, meaning a lot of times, especially out of college, you, you dwell on hiccups or speed bump and, and you get very sort of dialed into where you are in the first year or the second year out. And the reality is where you are your first couple years out of college is absolutely not where you're going to be 10 years from now. So it, it's hard sometimes people make short-sighted decisions. There's a guy I just hired here actually, gave him an offer. Uh, he's two years out of college, smart, smart kid, kid for lack of a better term. Um, at my age, he's a kid, but you know, smart as hell. Was about to turn down an offer to work directly for a CEO at that age because uh, he wanted to get another year at sort of Deloitte Consulting, or his didn't understand sort of the trade-offs. I kind of talked to him about this very thing, which is like, look, you know, at the end of the day, you, you got to think your trajectory. You, you know, so it may seem like, oh shit, I'm sorry for the language. I'm 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 three weeks away from a promotion, or three months away from a promotion, or I get a six thousand dollar bonus coming up here, and if I stay another five months, but you can't think in those terms because in the trajectory of a ten-year or fifteen-year horizon six grand now or getting that promotion at some firm you're not going to be at three years from it doesn't make a difference so i would just keep your eye on the trajectory making sure you're going on the upward trajectory from the you know month to month or, or even year to year and that kind of day to day uh is sort of the biggest piece of advice uh, and then second and it's kind of related which is just don't get hung up on the small stuff i mean there will be a lot of hiccups there will be a lot of frustrations i don't have to look good times every, everybody can handle good times like that's easy right that's fun like things are going well no problem but on the bad times, if you lose a job, if the job's not going well, it's it's you gotta keep your your own north star. If your north star is to start a company someday, keep that in mind as you're sort of going through the hiccups. If your north star is gonna be a VP at a company someday, keep keep that in mind. Um, but to really sort of not get caught up on, on little things, uh, especially it's easier to do when you're earlier in your career. Um, but but keep that north star focus on what you want to do and make sure you're you know, back to direction. Make sure you're on a path that kind of puts you in that direction. What are you actively working on today? There's a lot. Obviously, first and foremost, yeah. it's, it's really taking boost into a mass market brand, and, and, and like I said, you know, redefining kind of the, the, the company and making it far more innovative uh, and really disrupting the wireless space. I mean, that, that's the primary uh, goal and objective, and that's where most of my focus is. On the on the side, in addition, I, you know, I, I invest pretty actively uh, in startups. I like to get in early stage um, startups that generally either are raising small venture funds, uh, venture rounds, in that seed stage or pre-seed. Uh, and, and companies that I, that I like what they're doing, where it's, if I had the capacity, I could see myself trying to build that out, but I don't anymore. I'll, I'll put some money into those. So I, I like to actually stay close to what's going on on the emerging space uh, by investing or actually, to be honest, in, in my new capacity, you know, doing partnerships uh, on the booth side. Uh, again, when you look at innovation, sometimes it's a lot of times. Um, innovation can be finding that sort of new company that hasn't been taken to the mass market, partnering with 9 million subscribers to kind of bring them to the fold. So I think... Um, that's really where, again, you know, the, the big let's have a massive impact on the wireless space and really try to disrupt it uh, and also keep focused on sort of what's coming out and the new technologies and emerging really kind of come together. Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.